Well, today we start a new five-part series from the book of Numbers. Imagine. Numbers. I know some of you, you, you never used to perform very well in mathematics. So this book of Numbers, you know, you read it and you, you know where it is located. But it's most likely that you have never underlined anything or highlighted anything in the book of Numbers. You get apart maybe from Numbers chapter 6. May the Lord bless you and keep you, you know, all that. But the rest, I know it is as white as any, you know, not as any. It's very, very white, you know, not highlighted at all. And Numbers is one of the most underrated or the most underrated books in the Bible. Numbers, the book of Numbers is unassuming and we ignore it. And we ignore it because we think that it is a hard thing to read. We also don't get the plot, what is this narrative talking about? But within this book are great lessons that can encourage us in our journey of faith today. Yes, it was written for the people of the past, but even now this book can help us to strengthen our faith in the Lord. It is a book that is full of treasures that provide insights into the nature of God and his relationship with us, his people. Yes, it is a difficult book to read on your own, but beneath these difficulties are riches of God's own word that needs to be studied, that needs to be applied in our life even today, but also to be enjoyed. So as we look into the different aspects or the different themes in the next five Sundays from this book, I pray that you'll be able to enjoy it actually. So my desire today is that I whet your appetite a little bit so that in the course of the week you can read it and so that as we walk through different themes here and there in this book, we'll be able to learn a lot and we'll be able to grow in our faith. And to see all this, then we must be ready to strap our boots and journey through this book together. I will not uh, preach from every chapter of the book, but because here in this church we do celebrate literacy, I uh, hope as your pastor that actually you are going, whenever you find time, that you are going to go through it. Actually, if you just listen to it, it's about three hours, just three hours. Some of you take three hours to eat. You are slow eaters, you know. So if you set that time apart in the course of the week or just one hour every day, you know, you'll be able to, uh, to read the whole book in about three hours. So it's not, a, it's long, it's many chapters, but I want to believe that if you dedicate enough time, even one hour in the course of this week in the morning, that you'll be able to grow and you'll be able to know one or two things about it. So if you may, please dash with me to the book of Numbers. It's the fourth book in the Bible. If you get, if you are not finding your way there, there's a very simple mnemonic that I teach people. God's everlasting love never dies. You know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy, the first five books. It's very simple to remember all that. And so we camp in chapter one and chapter two of the book, and this book is set in the wilderness of Sinai or Sinai. And it gets its name from the census that we are going to read right now and another one that is near at the end of the book. That's why it gets its name, you know, the, the, the book of Numbers. And so if you didn't love maths and your teacher also knew that you never used to love maths, 
you know, today you need to just take a photo of that and you can share in your high school or in your primary school group and then ask Mwalimu Ahmad's hapani wapi? Hapani numbers. Just some background history. The children of Israel had been enslaved for over 400 years in the land of Egypt. There they were treated harshly and violently and like, just like any other uh, form of slavery does to people. Slavery is harsh and it's violent. Then God raised a deliverer in Moses who led the people out of this land to the land that God had promised to Abraham about half a century earlier. And this promised land is where God intended that these people that he had preserved and kept are going to worship him freely and to enjoy him freely. And so here in, the, in Sinai, in the book of Numbers, we have a very beautiful picture of a people who have been redeemed from the land of slavery but are not yet into the promised land. They are out of Egypt, but they are not yet into Canaan. A people out of bondage, but not yet into the paradise. A people saved by God, but not yet settled in this promised land. A people in between. And that's why we get the title of this series, In Between. And it is a very similar description even to us today as believers. That we have been saved as believers, we have been saved from the grip and of sin and slavery, but we are not yet in heaven. That we are on our way, just like these people of Israel, we are on our way towards heaven. Through our faith, Jesus Christ, Paul would say in the book of Romans chapter 6, verse 22, but now that you have been set free from sin, and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads, continuous, leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. That having been saved through faith in Jesus Christ, then we are on a journey, and this journey promises us good things, part of it being eternal life. Though our heaven is guaranteed, like the promised land, we aren't there yet as believers. And just like the Israelites, we are pilgrims on a promise of heaven. Actually, the book of Hebrews defines this better in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 14, when it says, For here we do not have a lasting city, but we are looking or we are seeking for the city that is to come. So our eyes is focused on what is to come. But we look back with great appreciation what the Lord has done, the deliverance that the Lord has brought. So today as we read these two, chunks, uh, two chapters, and as we interact with these chapters, I want you to see how God had blessed these people, the people of Israel, and actually how God also has blessed you. And because you might forget the points today, just remember that the preacher of the day, that is me, went to school. And I struggled with maths, especially when I moved from the lower primary section to the upper primary in class four. 
1994. Okay, thank you. Then I struggled. The, the preacher struggled with that. And I was placed in a class, my class stream. The, my stream was called 4P. Bonasifiwe. 4 Pluto. 4P. That was my class. So my points today are just 4Ps. Okay? Just remember that and remember what we have learned today. But in our text today, I want you to see how God had blessed these people using these 4Ps. Number one, God had blessed them by increasing the population of the people. God had blessed them by increasing their power. God had blessed them by having his presence dwell with them. And God had blessed them by his protection. People, power, presence, and protection. You might remember that. Number one, we see in chapter one, verse one, the Lord spoke to Moses in the tent of meeting in the desert of Sinai on the first day of the second month of the second year after the Israelites came out of Egypt. And so this is a historical event. This is something that happened. This is something that was there. And the Bible goes into great length in telling us when these events happened. Verse 2. Take a census of the whole Israelite community by their clans and families, listing every man by name, one by one. Verse 3. You and Aaron are to number by, the, by their divisions all the men in Israel, 20 years old or more, who are able to serve in the army. One man from each tribe. Each the head of his family is to help you. These are the names of the men who are to assist you. And then God gave the names of the people to assist. And that goes from verse 5 all through. We see the men from different tribes that the Lord appointed who will help in taking these census. And then from verse 20, we see the number of men who are counted. The number of men, 20 years and above. Let me just read a few, but because it's repetition, you will be able to see the others. In verse 20, from the descendants of Reuben, the firstborn son of Israel, that is Jacob, all the men 20 years old or more who were able to serve in the army were listed by the name one by one according to the records of their clans and families. The, the number from the, from the tribe of Reuben was 46,500. Then we go to the second son, that is Simeon. The number was 59,300. In verse 24, we have Gad, who the number was 45,650. We read in verse 32, that's from the sons of Joseph. You may remember that there is no tribe of Joseph because in the book of Genesis, you know, Jacob blessed his son and he gave him a double portion of the inheritance. That means that his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, they were accommodated, they were absorbed like the sons of Israel. So, from the sons of Joseph in verse 32, we read that the number of the, um, the, 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 the descendants of Ephraim, they were 40,500. Of Manasseh, they were 32,200. That is verse 34. And then the others, Benjamin, they were 35 and all that. And because God knew that some of us may struggle with additions, simple arithmetics, Verse 45 says, or verse 46 says, the total number of all these men who are counted is 603,550. 
603, 550. And if you're doubting that, please take your calculator and try to add. I did that, and actually the number is true. Numbers don't lie. <laughs> Amen? The thing to see here is to remember that as these people were in this area of or this wilderness, the reminder is that God was so good to them. God had fought battles for them. God had taken them even through the Red Sea. The Red Sea had parted so that they may have a safe passage. And all these miraculous events, the children of Israel had witnessed that. And then in the book of Exodus, God had given them a law. God had called them and told them that this is how I need you to worship me. I do not need you to figure out how to worship me. I do not need you to define who I am. I need to define who I am to you. And many times, especially in our generation, we are trying to define who God really is. God has already defined himself, who he is, and we need to look into that, not to define God as we would wish. And also out of that, God had given them order. God was calling them to, you know, that you need order as you get into this place, into this promised land, I need you to be orderly. That they were under God's blessings, and we need to see how God had increased them. This was 603, 550 men who could fight between the ages of 20 all above, without counting the children and without counting the women. And Bible commentators and historians will agree that the number, when you combine the children and the women, that they were over 2 million people. So in this small space in the wilderness, they were about 2 million people. And so they stand here as a people who have been blessed because God has fulfilled his promises. And this population is a mark of God's blessings in this way. That you must remember first the promises that God had made to, uh, to Abraham when he called him in Genesis chapter 12. He said, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. In Genesis 17, verse 2, God says, I will confirm my covenant between me and you, and you will greatly increase in numbers. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. And God was telling Abraham that the generation that comes from you, I am the one to make them fruitful. It's not even you. That I will bless and you will increase. In Genesis chapter 22, where we camped last week, if you may remember, when Abraham had obeyed God, God said that I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. So these people, as they were being counted, it was a reminder that God has kept his promises and God has increased them. So even as we read about all these tribes, all these 12 tribes here, and the people who are there, that is not a waste of biblical space. That they would have done something else with this passage. They would have, no, it is a reminder that God is faithful and God has kept his promises. That a growing population was a proof of, of God fulfilling his promises. Friends, the number of, of people in God's fold continues to grow. Even today as a church, Christ said that I will build my church and the gates of hell will never, ever be able to prevail. Despite the church facing a lot of opposition, despite the church facing friction, 
despite the fake people, fake pastors, you know, fake leaders joining the church and misleading the people, God is making his church to grow. Here in our local church, we bless the Lord that we started a few in 2017. We'll be seven years this December. And God has increased us in many, many ways. So when you are seated here, you are part of God's blessings. I hope that when you come, when you sit down here, when you are listening and when you are fellowshipping with each other, that one of the things that you remember is that I am part of God's blessing. Beyond that, God is still saving his sinners. God is still building his church. And every day, God is saving his people. Even if it is growing from straws and frictions and all that, the church of Christ will continue to grow. John, in the book of Revelation chapter 7, he was able to peep into the future. And John writes and says, Then I saw a great multitude that no one could count. A people from all nations, all tribes, and all tongues were joining together in worship of the Lord, singing Hosanna, hallelujah. So God is increasing. And there is a, an invisible church of God, of Christ, that has grown and is big. And John says that this number, no one could be able to count. So we love that we see our church growing. And that even today as we add more and more into our membership list, that is great. We rejoice. And we count ourselves as a blessed church. Number two, the blessing power. That's in the part one we have said the people had been increased. The people had been blessed through the increase of the population. Blessing of power. God had asked Moses to do this census. And we have just read, not just to show them how big a population they were, but also to help them know and remember that they are such a force to reckon with. God had said that these people were the people who could be able to go into war and serve in the army. Verse 3 says, You and Aaron are to number by their divisions all the men in Israel, 20 years or old or more, who are able to serve in the army. The thing is this, that the, as they go into the promised land, it will require them to fight for themselves. But before they think that they are weak because they were enslaved for many years, God has said, you know, count the number of men who can serve in the army. And you will realize that you are such a force that God has not added to you in numbers, but God has also strengthened you. That you have the power of God. That over 600 men were to remind them that indeed the Lord has strengthened us. Not on our own merit, but by the power of God. I did a quick Google search as I was preparing within our context. Kenya has a population of 50 million people or thereabout. But do you know how many personnel we have in our KDF? About 24,000 men and women who can fight. So I don't want you to be afraid that you are unsafe. The Lord has protected us. But do you see the might, the power that God had bestowed to the people of Israel? He knew that, you know, these guys are going to fight for this land. There are people there. 
And as much as they were freed from slavery, there were still battles to be fought. And for us as believers, when God redeems you and me, when God saves you, and when God calls you out of that strong grip of sin, when God does that, he reminds you that you still have a war to fight. But should you forget, God says that the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you and has equipped you with strength to be able to fight the enemy called evil and sin. Sin no longer becomes your master the same way that Egypt wasn't any longer a master to the people of Israel. But where they are going, they are enemies. And so also even for us, we have an enemy that we are fighting. But should we think that we are weak, then let us remember, brothers and sisters, that God has strengthened you and me, that we are strong. Sin is no longer our master, but it is our enemy. Paul would write in the book of Ephesians and to remind us that our fight is not just physical fight, flesh and blood, but spiritual battles. And he says in the book of Ephesians chapter 6 that our fight, our battle is against the power of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Paul is telling us that we are people at war, but we should always know that we are a people that the Lord has strengthened us and we are equipped. So whether it is addictions, whether it's bitterness, unforgiveness, pornography, or anything that is strangling us, brothers and sisters, the same way the children of Israel knew that they have the military might to occupy the promised land, even for us, we know that indeed we are strengthened and we have been made powerful by the Lord and we can be able to overcome any sin. We have the muscles to fight. We should not be enslaved by sin on our way to heaven, brothers and sisters, but we should thrust into holiness with the power that Christ has supplied to us, with the strength that God has supplied. We are not fighting alone. God has strengthened you, and God has blessed you, brothers and sisters. That point is the blessings of his presence. In the journey towards the promised land, God gave clear instructions on how they are going to proceed. After this account, if you may jump with me to the book, to chapter 2, if you may jump with me there, chapter 2, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, the Israelites are to camp round the tent of meeting some distance from each, each man under his standard with the banners of his family. Then, from verse 3, we see how God made them into units. They were the 12 tribes, but now God divides them into four separate units. And every unit will be headed by one leader from one of the tribes. So if you do that, there were 12, then they are going to be divided into four. How many tribes do you get in each segment? Three, good. You are good in arithmetics. I can see that. That's how they were to be, arranged in different tribes. But God had said, and we see that later, that the tribe of Levi will not be counted. Because God had said that, I have separated this one tribe from you so that they may serve me in my tent of meeting, in my tabernacle. I'm calling them for a special task. But the others, 12, 
you know, are the one to be able to go, f I mean, to be counted so that they may number the people of, the number of people who may join the military. So this is it. God says, this is the order that you're going to go. In actually, in, in ESV version says, there verse 1 and verse 2, the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, the people of Israel shall camp each by his own standard with the banners of their father's house. They shall camp facing the tent of meeting on every side. This is it, friends, that there will be tribes that will be on all the four corners and in between, at the heart of these people, the tabernacle will be placed there. And the way they are going to be arranged is that each of their tents will be facing the center. You get me? That every tribe, the way they are going to align their tents is facing the center. And while they are doing this, the thing that God wanted to remind them is this, that when you go out and when you come in, in the morning and the evening, I want you to know that I am center, I am at the center. That the one thing that I who are seeing as my people is God who is at the center. But this is it. Verse 3 says in chapter 2, on the east toward the sunrise, the divisions of the camp of Judah are to encamp under their standard. The leader of the people of Judah is Nashon, son of Aminadab. His division numbers 74,600. And then the other numbers, let me not bore you with the other numbers with those arithmetics, but in verse 9 of chapter 2, at the end, when all this was summed up together, the number of these tribes was 186,400, and God says that these are the ones who will set off first. That as you are in this desert, as you go to the promised land, then this tribe led by Judah is the one that will go first and it will be stationed on the east, the sunrise. That's where you become. And that is the tribe that will go first. And then on the south, when you, when you, when you read the others, on the south, the other divisions that will be there, and they will be second. In verse 17, the tent of meeting and the camp of the Levites will set out in the middle of the camps. They will set out in the same order as they encamp, each in his own place under his standard. This is it, that when the first two tribes or the first two units have left, then the tabernacle, surrounded and guarded by the Levites, will be the third one. And then the last two units, if you get what I'm saying. God was giving them some order. These are people who are enslaved. Perhaps they do not know order. But God says, the way even you are going to worship me, the way you are going to walk with me, you are going to follow a certain order. And we say that God is a God of order. God is a God of order, so we need to even evaluate, even in our lives, any moments that, you know, we are facing a chaotic moment, even in your lives, even at the moment, please remember that God is a God of order, and he can be able to stabilize things if we trust in him. He is a God who is in the details. We normally give the devil the, the credit that is not due to him, that the devil is in the, in the details. No, it is God who actually is in the details. But I want to show you uh, an image here, how they were to be aligned. Perhaps some of you may not get what I'm saying here. But I want to, uh, to show you an image of how God's presence was going to be with them. Do you see that image there? Right, you can see it on the screen. Can you see it? Yes. Oh, awesome. That, that's how they were going to be distributed. What do you see in that image? 
across, right? That even from the book of Numbers, God knew how he's going to save his people. That's the image of the cross. And actually, when you go back later and you're doing your Bible study, try to do the mathematics. You will see, and I did that. Uh, sorry, I don't have my paper here. But even the numbers, even on the north and the south, or the east and the west, the numbers were almost the same. And then the tribe led by Reuben, it was big. It was 186,000 people. It was on the lower side. A perfect image of a cross, not a plus. A cross. And so even from, the time, from this time, God knew that what he was going to do is to save his people. And then the tabernacle was to be in the center. And all that they were to do is to worship the Lord. And the Lord will become very, very central to their worship. God's presence was with them. God's presence is always with his people. And is God, the question is, just the same way these people of Israel are facing, the question is, is God the center of your life? Or your soul, or you are the captain of your soul, the master of your fate. God wanted to remind these people that I want to be in my rightful place. My rightful place is to be at the center. Brothers and sisters, what is it that we have placed in the center? Is it desires? Is it dreams? Is it values? Is it hopes? Is it material possessions? God today reminds us, brothers and sisters, let us place him, let us put him in his rightful place. And so when we gather even here for worship, is God at the center? When you meet later in your real groups, in your small groups, is God at the center? In your family, with your children, with your spouse, with your extended family, is God the center? That's what God demanded from these people. That's what God is demanding even from us today, that we place God in his rightful place, and that is at the center. The blessing of his presence. Finally, let's see the blessing of his protection, how God protected this. And for us to see this, let us jump just a little, I mean, go back a little bit to chapter 1, and you're going to see this in verse 47. Let me read, read it for you from verse 47. The families of the tribe of Levi, however, were not counted along with the others. The Lord had said to Moses, you must not count the tribe of Levi or include them in the census of the other Israelites. Instead, appoint the Levites to be in charge of the tabernacle of the testimony over all its furnishings and everything belonging to it. They are to carry the tabernacle and all its furnishings. They are to take care of it and encamp around it. Whenever the tabernacle is to move, the Levites are to take it down, and whenever the tabernacle is to be set up, the Levites should, shall do it. Anyone else who goes near it shall be put to death. The Israelites are to set up their tents by divisions, each man in his own camp under his own standard. The Levites, however, are to set up their tents around the tabernacle of the testimony so that the, the wrath, so that wrath will not fall on the Israelite community. The Levites are to be responsible for the care of the tabernacle of the testimony. The Israelites did all this just as God had commanded Moses. At the Lord's command, brothers and sisters, the Levites were not counted as we have read. And God had separated this tribe so that they may be able to serve him in the tabernacle. They were actually to serve him from the age of 30 years. So they were to start their work late, but also finish early, retire early at the age of 50. That's why last week when we were reading from the book of John, 
you know, the, the Jews, Jews were asking, why, why are you telling all these, these things to us about who you are and your identity, and you're not yet even 50? That's where it was coming from. You haven't even experienced the ministry, and you're calling yourself the one who is to save, or the high priest. God's presence was great news to the people of Israel that he's going to be with them. But again, God's presence was also very dangerous news. That if anyone comes and he's not from the tribe of Levi, then they are going to be put to death. He is a God of justice as well as a God of righteousness, Psalm 89 verse 14. These Levites, or this, the Levites and their camp they were to surround the tabernacle so that they who are not holy, those people who are not holy, would not come close to it, to the tabernacle and face the wrath of God because God is holy and his anger burns against wickedness. The Levites were to form this ring to protect and to shield the others. They were supposed to shield the unholy sinners that God had called them to protect the others. And so they had a very special task. And so the Levites were, you know, took the sins of the people and shielded the people from the anger of God. They shielded these people so that God's wrath doesn't come to the people. A very dangerous task, so to speak, you know, and, and, and even that even would cost some of them. We, if you look down a few chapters later, you'll see how these, you know, the, 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 the Levites who didn't obey the Lord, even how the ground opened and swallowed them up. It was costly to them. Even Moses, who had come also from this tribe, for him, he never even saw the promised land. It cost him as well. So these people were paying a higher cost, you know, towards, you know, in protecting their people. Levi acted as the in-between of God's holiness and Israel's sinfulness. Friends, it is the same for us today, that our Lord Jesus Christ, even as we have sung today, our high priest, took this language and he became that inner ring, taking our sins and shielding us, brothers and sisters, from the holy wrath of God. A God who is holy and has, you know, has a holy indignation towards sin, and every sin was poured on him. So that God's righteous anger for you and me will not get close to us. And so even Christ separated from his father. You know, and he said, you know, that this was such a hard call. Take away this cup from me. It wasn't more about the pain that Christ was to endure on that cross, but that separation, that that relationship with his father, the Holy Trinity that had existed even before the beginning, that at that moment it had to be severed for your sin and my sin. And so Christ comes and acts as an in-between. And adopts this language of the inner ring. Actually, Isaiah chapter 55, 53 verse, 14, verse 5 covers, covers this very, very well. Let me read it for you. Isaiah chapter 53. From verse 5 says this. Actually, from verse 4. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Friends, Christ died so that we may have full access towards God. 
that now the priests, the Levites, now their service was no longer considered because Christ had offered that ultimate and perfect sacrifice that the Levites, they themselves, would not be able to offer. And the tabernacle was torn into part, and now we can see the Holy of Holies. Reminding us that we have full access, brothers and sisters, to the throne of mercy, to the throne of grace. And because of this protection, the shielding that we receive from Christ, we have full access. The throne of grace is no longer unsafe for you and me. It is safe and we are invited to draw in and we are welcome into his family. And we join other massive population, other people, so that we may be able to enjoy this assurance that we have, this connection that we have with our God. And Paul says that now we can call him Abba, Father. A name that is full of intimacy, Abba, Father. Because of this then, our protection is guaranteed. You are protected and brought near to God. And some of you who have been running away from God, brothers and sisters, you are invited, acknowledging what Christ has done for you, that you are invited to enjoy the mercies and the grace of God. Here is a surprise, brothers and sisters. These people are assured of many things. They were assured of God's power. They, God increased them in numbers. God, God's presence was with them and God's protection with them. And for us, God's protection with us because of our Lord Jesus Christ. But this is what they did, brothers and sisters, when you read and we'll be checking that in the coming weeks. That they never obeyed fully the Lord. They never took these blessings to heart. They dismissed God. They rebelled against him. And many of them missed you know, to get into the promised land because of what they did. This book serves to us as an encouragement of the promises that are there, but also as a warning not to take lightly the blessings of God. But this is the funny thing. God still stuck with them. God was faithful to his promises, and God was loyal and faithful. Even when they ran away from him, God was still faithful, and we'd be able to see these themes. Friends, God protected them and brought them near God assured them of his constant presence. God had strengthened them, and even today he has strengthened us. And God is still increasing us in numbers. I pray that we we'll be able to see these things, and may the Lord bless us. Let us say a word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. These words that were placed here for us and to encourage us in our faith. Father, I pray, even as we embark on a week... That, Lord, we be strengthened by these words. To know that, indeed, you have blessed us in many ways. You have increased us as your people. Your presence is constantly with us in all that we do. May you continue affirming your love in our lives. And even as we embark on this book, Lord, reveal that which you want us to hear from this word of God. And may we be strengthened in our faith and in our walk with you. And may you bless us. In Jesus' name we do pray. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. Have a lovely week.